Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This show is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Robots Radio presents... The Elder Scrolls Lorecast! Welcome to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, a place where the Elder Scrolls community can come together to discuss the boundaries of our knowledge about the universe of the Elder Scrolls. All right, adventurers, welcome back to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. I am here again at our normal time, Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, on uh, Robots Radio Twitch channel. I, I don't know why I phrased that funny. Twitch.tv slash Robots Radio with my co-host, Lotus of Doom. It's been a wacky day. Lotus, how are you doing? Uh, I'm pretty good. Uh, I'm refreshingly done playing Battlespire, so I'm better because <laughs> now we can just talk about Battlespire as well as some of the other games. <laughs> yeah, so for anybody who's not here during the, the live show, um, I set up and if Lotus is streaming, he'll he'll raid over from his stream and then we'll continue you know, the the show, I guess. So what starts as a Battlespire stream turns into the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. And um, he comes over, and as he's getting ready, I'm asking chat, like, how's he doing? How's Battlespire going? Is he suffering? And they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, yes, <laughs> very much so. That's a good guess. Um, so, yeah, uh, having a rough experience with Battlespire, it seems. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not a smooth transition from, let's just say the series has come a long way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe it. Uh, I'm looking here at the the dates on this, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in a second. Um, but we're we're following up on last week's episode. We went backwards in order from the most recent game, which is Elder Scrolls Online, all the way back to Morrowind, and kind of discussing the way the games work and fundamentally are different in the way you build your characters or you interact with quests and quest givers or the way the stories kind of unfold. Because I. I I think that there's something really interesting when you look at the like the evolution of changes. But when you go backwards through it, there's really this kind of neat progression or deprogression of the way that stuff works. And one of the things we've been noting is the complexity of things as you go backwards, which is really interesting. So we're going to be continuing this conversation. We'll be digging into the oldest games and some of the weird ones in this episode. Uh, before, I, before I jump into that, um, Lotus, I, I shared, uh, was it yesterday? Or the day before, uh, a video of, um, I went to our buddy Pylon's stream from the UESP, yes. and I just wanted to put this out there for everybody. I, I'm i doing some of these $1,000 challenges, and what they are is it's a 1000 bucks of advertising across the shows on the, on the network for streamers and content creators in the community. And I'll just pop into somebody's stream on occasion while I'm streaming. And challenged them to some stuff. So I, I popped in pylons and I'm like, hey, buddy, you want to try to win a thousand bucks? And he's like, sure. So so I made him do things like uh, he had to do stuff in game. He had to try giveaway money in game, which is actually more difficult. The first person he went up to, he tried to give away 10,000 gold, which is a pretty substantial sum. And the guy opened the trade window and he was like, here, take $10,000. And he waited a second. And then the guy put 15,000 gold back to him. So he earned 5,000 gold in his first attempt to give money away. It was like, what? What is going on? 
so yeah so uh it was and he was on a time limit too he had to do it in like three minutes so it's all up on the robots radio youtube you can watch it um he, he goes through some other difficulties including eating some food that was extremely spicy um <laughs> it's a really good time he was a really good sport about it um but i'm going to be doing more of these so i just wanted to let people know that this will be happening on stream and on the robots radio youtube and if you want to if you enjoy these kinds of things and you want to you know see more of this stuff please make sure to go to the youtube and give it a thumbs up subscribe to the channel you know watch the whole video youtube likes if you actually watch the whole video that kind of stuff super fun stuff um but that that said let's move on let's get back into our conversation so last week we talked about elder scrolls online and then we went back to skyrim and then oblivion and then morrowind and other than the big difference between the mmo side of elder eso and the others they they had a lot of similarities this idea that you built a character out you chose uh the leveling of the characters was a little bit different but in all four of those games you have the same races you have the same uh but you can choose either gender it doesn't really affect your stats um in most of them and in fact all of them you would follow quest lines but of course the quest lines became go from being a very easy just like follow the breadcrumbs of like the little arrow of where you need to go back to Morrowind which was more of a complex like read you know paragraphs of text and try to figure out where the thing is that you need to go and find it right right and no waypoint markers right um right. This is like it was actually I think um a little earlier a couple people had mentioned during Battlespire earlier that kind of the the shift point was Morrowind. So even though we didn't really originally plan this mm -hmm. <laughs> this way, that was actually probably a great way to split this as the older style and then the newer style. And Morrowind was kind of that transition game, it seemed like. Right, um, right. It had some of those aspects of the older games, but it was right. uh, graphically more like a newer game. It was built more like uh, it's the transition into the console world is really what it is. It, yeah, absolutely. I was in, that was the only reason I tried it originally was because I played it on my buddy's Xbox. Right, um, right. But you went, we went from what was like old MS-DOS type yes. RPG games to something yep. that could actually work on a controller and be played on a console. And it was the first attempt to kind of bring it into that modernized kind of angle. Right. So that's this is where we'll start off then. So we basically wrapped up Morrowind. We talked about how you could kill anybody. You could completely ruin your playthrough or at least your potential mm -hmm. to finish the main quest line. You could uh, there, basically the, the walled garden of something like ESO or even Skyrim was no is no longer there or at least wasn't there back back in the day. You could take potions and make yourself a god or absolutely destroy your ability to do anything because you leveled up in a really stupid way. And now you're you're like the wimpiest hero in the world. And yes, you know, good luck. Um, it's kind of a sandbox without rules, whereas the newer things are much more a sandbox with like some rules. <laughs> it's like it's like going it's it's like the difference between competing in a bowling event against like semi pro bowlers on like, you know, official bowling things or going to like your kid's birthday party where they've got like the bumpers down the lane. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> like, yeah, kind of, kind of actually. That's actually I, that's a very good way of putting it. It's like, yeah, here's here's where you go, and it's like, yeah, you can use this whole lane. Well, no, no, no don't don't go in the gutter. What what are you doing? Like, right, just, come right. on. You're not well, going to be able. To, you won't yeah. hit any pins if you go in the gutter. Like, so right. we're gonna we're gonna. Here's your play area, but you can see this area too. And the old games were a little, well, specifically more of them. It was like, eh, straight in the gutter if that's what you want to do. Yeah, you, you can go right in the everything. gutter. You can but, live in the gutter if you want. Yeah, if that's <laughs> what you want to do. Go you do, do it. You. Yeah, yeah. So let's take another step back. Do Where do we want to go before that? Because there's some of the weird games, then there's the mainline games. What do you Maybe think we should, we should next? tackle the main games and then do the spinoffs. Okay. Because the spinoffs get really out there. Yeah, um, yeah that sounds good. So... Yeah, we we can stick with the mainline numbered Elder Scrolls games, um, which if we rewind again, we'll be back to Daggerfall. Right. So we're jumping back in time from 2002 to 1996. This is this is a good six years before that. Yeah. Yeah. This which is, so, kind of follows the pattern. This is still that that same kind of four to six year iteration thing. Like. Mm hmm. So. The thing now, this is actually ironically given it uh, all of the games. This is the one that I'm least experienced in because during my quest of playing through all these from beginning to end, I have not started Daggerfall yet. Um, well, actually, I guess there's two others that we'll get into really off the side. But um, so I actually only have a cursory view of this. I've looked into it. I've seen other people play Daggerfall. Daggerfall to many is super super beloved um mm. it for the longest for a very long time was <laughs> considered the largest video game um that had ever been created uh i know it was de dethroned by no man's sky and maybe like one or two others mm -hmm. but it was equivalent to the size of i believe all of europe yeah uh, i have the stat here it's 160,000 kilometers 160,000 kilometers. Yeah. Like and comparatively what the, the map of Skywind or Sky Skywind, Skyrim, yeah, whatever. which would yeah. be the same map. Uh Skyrim is something like 4 miles across or something like yeah. it's yes. really not that it's, big. It's nonsense. Um now granted there's a lot of now this is also where they get into things aren't so handcrafted in these older games. Uh well specifically arena and daggerfall is what we're talking about the excessive space is a lot of procedural generation mm -hmm. so your experience might be different than somebody else's as you roam the wilderness and the game procedurally generates what's coming in front of you um so you'll get random caves and garbage here or there with main features um being more of the focus and you travel these procedurally generated environments to get to your main locations so to speak right um right uh real quick at, bob in chat yeah. is saying wtf is a kilometer lol uh it's it's about two-thirds of a mile so that's almost yeah, it's it's just under a hundred thousand uh, yeah. miles yes so, yeah. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um so this comes with the benefits of they don't need to handcraft every blade of grass and single tree. So you can produce much larger environments with much less effort. 
And this explains mm -hmm. why they could design a game that big with a smaller team. The team exactly. has grown over time substantially. But back in the yes. day, back in the time of Daggerfall, they had, what, a dozen or two dozen developers? Something like that? It was a small team. I mean, to be fair, it was a small team for up until relatively recently. And even in terms of nowadays, their team is much smaller than most AAA studios, from my understanding. <laughs> so yeah. they've never been like a huge, huge team. Um, and to your point, that's exactly it. They made these enormous environments based on much smaller teams which normally would not be able to produce that type of content quick enough it, it, the game would be in development for 20 30 years you'd never get through it all right but um as a side effect of this it came with not that any of the games are exempt from this but a myriad of technical issues from what I've seen, what I've experienced in setting it up and stuff, um, where dungeons could be completely uncompletable because it procedurally mm -hmm. generated them wrong. Uh, you can fall through stuff, blah, 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 blah. We won't get into that. But it Daggerfall to date, I think, is still the most ambitious from what I've seen of it and heard from my friends who have beaten it and stuff, where the spellcrafting was even more involved than the very elaborate spellcrafting that we were mentioning in Morrowind. Um, there were just a myriad of skills. And this was the game that introduced, being that we're working backwards, um, it still had the, if you run, you get better at athletics. If you swim, you get mm. better at the, if you use spears, you're better at that. Blah, Do blah, a blah, thing blah, blah, blah. To, uh, to upgrade it, Do yeah. Yes, do a thing to upgrade a thing. So that was, for the time, I would imagine pretty revolutionary because normally it was just kill the thing and get said experience points. And it's like, this was designed around your character was made based on who you were. This yeah. also introduced a lot of the Daedric princes that we know. Um, Herbaeus Moore was a potato lobster in this game <laughs> potato uh, lobster yeah he's <laughs> Hermes Mora in this game is the source of all of our jokes of him looking yes. like um <laughs> what's his what's his face uh uh oh uh, Zoidberg Zoidberg yeah. and yeah, yeah. The, he's the squiggly little lobster guy like nope. <laughs> yeah and if you yeah that's the that's actually uh Daggerfall is the gif or gif that I always post on Twitter with the whirling stars in the background and the green blob with the, the snappers that's it mm -hmm. is from daggerfall mm -hmm. um similar <laughs> model was used in oblivion too but yeah it's it's uh yeah why not hermes mora <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so my my total experience playing daggerfall was i think it was about six months ago i loaded mm -hmm. it up on my on my computer got it to run on my laptop just, just like yeah i'll just put it on the laptop to see if it works um Loaded into a dungeon, couldn't figure out how to swing my sword, and died. <laughs> and then loaded nope. it back up, made another character, starting that beginner dungeon, uh, ran into whatever it was, a spider or whatever it was, and then died again. And it took me something like three or four tries before I was, I was and I was like, you've got to be kidding. It can't be this hard to swing your freaking weapon. Am I attacking? And I did, there's just no animation for it. Like what is happening here? And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, you actually click and drag across the screen to 
swipe your sword. I was like, yep. that's amazing. I didn't expect that from an MS-DOS game built in 1996. I kind of figured it would be just be a button press. Or, you know, or like, and there's a little interface at the bottom. I feel like, is it the swords? Do I click the swords button? Like, what? no, you know. Um, yeah, and yeah. even then, even after learning how to swing my sword, I, I I didn't make it out of the dungeon after like another try or two. And then I was just like, yeah, I'll get back to this some other time. <laughs> just moved on. So that's, I mean, that's kind of the experience you get with some of the older ones where they are not mm -hmm. streamlined and they're pretty aggressively rough to get. They just throw you right in with minimal explanation of what's happening and they're like yeah you figure it out you'll be fine most people weren't fine they were dead um <laughs> right, but, right. <laughs> but um yeah so we covered the kind of you know the technical bits without getting super in detail because these are kind of an overview um a lot of the established lore that we started to get, and we've made references to some of them, actually, Fragile Shark from chat brings up uh, Ebonarm, which we had the episode on Ebonarm. Yeah. Um, stuff like that was kind of coming to fruition and formation in this game. And there were stories and lore being crafted, and it was a mix of which ones were kept and which ones were dumped and which ones were modified and all of this stuff. But Daggerfall really, to me, is where the series started to solidify what it has become over the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's like the place where its own mythos kind of took hold. Yes. It went from being like the cheap knockoff of something else to really defining its Coming own identity. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, from like 100%. a lore story history kind of standpoint. And it takes place in a very, you know, specific region of a much larger map even though that region is gigantic it's you know it's mostly in high rock and the you know daggerfall region of the map yes and and then wherever else you want to putz around in as well but um yeah. that's not like the focus the other um unique mechanics point that i figure is worth mentioning is the concept of timed quests in this game which mm -hmm. is pretty much uh wholly unique i believe uh, unless i'm just forgetting where there's you're you're given time frames to do things not not everything but a lot of quests have time frames like you kind of would in real life where it's like oh my daughter was abducted by vampires go fix you know, go help right her. yeah okay that's great and then you can putz around doing whatever you want right but no really For if you don't save her in the next day she's going to be dead they're yeah. going to kill her and right. then you just fail that quest because she's dead because they sucked her blood they weren't or... waiting for you to show up yeah. <laughs> yeah. correct right. so this game played on its own moving world more than your fun time frame which is i'm assuming going to be a little rough to get used to when i get to dagger fall um and playing through it since i'll a lot of it's figuring out where to go as well and that looming clock is i don't do well when i know there's a timer <laughs> so I feel like I'm going to get a lot of people killed when I try to play through that one. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's interesting about this is that the time frame of the late 90s was also uh, the time frame that the uh, the Fallout franchise launched. And mm -hmm. one of the things a lot of people don't realize is Fallout 1 also has time limitations. Um, yep. Not on the same extent of like, do this mission in this much time or you fail it, but more of like once you 
enter into the game and start doing things, uh, there's a certain time frame that goes by before the game ends. And you can right. actually delay that a little bit, but you, the game exists within a, a very specific time frame. And if you don't succeed in your main quest by a certain time, then you fail and yes. you get a certain ending, um, which is again very similar to some of these older like these older dos pc games had these kinds of things going on with them and i and i think it's because they came from a i i, I think it has something to do with the idea of what tools you have as a programmer in a world where you don't have a lot of graphic interface and those kinds of things you have right. tools you have tools for like i can roll damage stats i can i can have you know ac i can have health well, what else is a tool well, you can move north, south, east, and west. You know, <laughs> what else is a tool? Time. Time is a tool. And there's a clock on the PC that's ticking. Okay, well, what if I give you a time frame that you have to get from here to here in order to do a thing? That becomes a very easy limitation for a quest line. Um, mm -hmm. But in our in our modern concept of this, it doesn't make sense because I want the game, I want the game world to focus on me and not and I don't want to be limited by what the game is telling me I can or can't do. So it also um, just based on scale, I would imagine when you have endings and possible outcomes based on these timers, whether you could complete it in time or not. Not knowing that because, you know, FAQs and, and guides and wikis weren't really a thing for these games. If you didn't go out and buy your Prima strategy guide, like, yeah, you kind of were blind it would add a level of replayability because, well, if there's other endings, like, well, how can I earn the other endings? So you'll want to go back and do it again. So it gives extra legs to these games, which would normally be you play through it and you're done with it. It's like not so much when you've got stuff like that because it requires you to perfect doing it in order to actually see the different endings. So most people probably aren't going to just jump in and ace their way right to the best ending. It's certainly possible, but not necessarily like how most people are going to experience it. Yeah. Makes sense. Sorry. I've got my eyes itchy. I don't know why. <laughs> um, Allergies. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, so the other thing about this is that the stories were basically came about in the quest dialogue. Is that correct? Yes. You, you uh, meet an NPC. They say, here's a big page of text, blah, 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 blah. This is why you need you to go to do this thing. This is what I'll give you. And then you go do yeah. it. And then you come back and you get another happy, big block of text. Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> Numidium on the way. Um, all, all, all those various things, which also, I guess, that is sort of a mechanic. Speaking of multiple paths, uh, there are multiple endings to Daggerfall. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of which are considered <laughs> canon. Yeah, they're all canon. Yeah. They're all canon. And as a result of the end of Daggerfall and how do we deal with multiple endings, that's where Dragon Breaks came from. Uh, as a interesting little tidbit, that was the MacGuffin that was created, was the Dragon Breaks fixed, quote unquote, their how can everything and nothing have happened at the same time. Yeah, do you know if Dragon Break is actually used in Daggerfall at all? No, I don't believe. I don't I, think it is. I don't think it is because I think I know that that project was a little finished under duress from from what I've seen, uh -huh. um, because there was some 
technical problems with the the company and such. Um, and I, I think they went, they were just trying to go all out from my understanding. If anybody knows, you know, finer details, you know, always feel free to shoot us a comment and we're yeah. learning this stuff for fun. So like, that's kind of, but <laughs> right. with, with, with some of the, the technical problems, that they ran into and slowed development caused certain things to change during development. Um, from what my understanding was is they just were going for broke. Like we need to make this the most all encompassing greatest thing that we could possibly conceive of. And hopefully people like it. Mm -hmm. And as a result, it was kind of interesting because that would include multiple endings. But if you're going to actually continue the series onward, well, how do you not just invalidate people's choices, which is a concern for Skyrim as well. Um, but they already have this thing in place, which Dragon Breaks themselves, since they were, th it, from my understanding, thought of, or came about as a result of the multiple endings. I don't think they ever refer to a Dragon Break in Daggerfall itself. It right. was more of a post-Daggerfall, how do we make this still Justification. work? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so to wrap up Daggerfall, I... I, there's two things, I, I, two other things I want to point out. I think Daggerfall has both the most badass-looking cover for the game of any game in the series. The the artwork for the cover is, if you guys haven't seen it here, I'll post this is from the Wikipedia article. Uh, go to the link there, take take a look at that picture. Um, it's got the the lich like reaching out. I mean, it looks it looks so metal. It's like, this will be a special thing just for the uh, video people. Keep, keep yeah, sorry, just for the video people. Um, so I, I feel like <laughs> this, and they they sell shirts of this too, and it's got the lich reaching out and the Daggerfall font that looks all really, really cool in the background. I don't know. There's something about the artwork in this one that looks really, really cool to me. Uh, Lotus is grabbing some stuff from the back of his room and coming back to the camera. Oh, oh. Do you have a full-size box? Is that a full-size game box from it back in the, the day? the original holographic copy of yeah. Daggerfall. Um, it reflects a little bit. Yeah, so lean it down a little bit. Box. Lean it down. It yep. might, or just maybe a little, bit, a little bit more. A little more. Yeah, there you go. Now you can kind of see yep. it. Yep. It's backwards on the screen. I can I can. Yes, it's backwards. It. Yeah, the words are inverted, but that's uh, that's the Underking Lich digging his way out, I believe. Uh -huh. um, but yes, this is the... Uh, I actually have... Man. That's back yeah. when video games came in these gigantic boxes. Those boxes mm -hmm. were huge. That was uh, so yes. cool. That uh, so including because it does actually have all of the stuff in it. I have, um, I guess, humble brag here. I have all of the copies of every uh, Elder Scrolls game in their original bubble wrap and stuff like that form. Uh, this box with all of its contents probably weighs about five pounds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there is so much in this Daggerfall package; it is ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, the games back then used to come, for people who don't know, they would come with maps, they would come with trinkets and items. Sometimes, like, yep. you would buy a game, and th they'd, they'd come on these, like, three-and-a-half-inch floppy disks. The floppy disks were this big. Like, they weren't, they're not big. But then yep. the boxes were, you know, I don't know, ten times that size, and would come exactly. with all this stuff in them. The manuals, sometimes the manuals mm -hmm. were, like, their own books. They were just, they, like, they, they were huge. They very much are. Right, yes. and then in the manuals would tell stories, stories about the games mm -hmm. and, and help you understand like what the world was that you're getting into and all that kind of stuff. They were like cloth maps, all sorts of really cool stuff. And it yes. would make sense. You'd pay 50 bucks, 60 bucks for something like this, but it would come with a ton of stuff in it. Um, 
yeah, it was really cool. The other thing I wanted to mention about Daggerfall is I think it might be the sexiest of the Elder Scrolls games in that you end up with like, I mean, it's pixelated graphics, but there's like topless women and there's like, uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It, I this was very that was the case too. adult. But wait till we get to Battlespire. Oh, Battlespire. All right. All right. Well, Battlespire <laughs> and, and Daggerfall have a, a lot of uh, DNA in common. In they the, do. Graphically. Um, Honestly, we'll stick with the numbered versions to go with, but Battlespire, I believe, was originally intended to be an expansion mm -hmm. to Daggerfall, and it kind of spun into its own project because it is a very different game, like functionally, than Daggerfall is, but using a lot of the same overlays and things like that like it has a lot of like you said shared dna but the the game itself is a dungeon crawler not an open world game not at an all. open world rpg yeah yeah so yeah I do we want to discuss that what... now we you know does it we, make sense to do that one now because of the connection because of the connection i think maybe we should okay so so this came out like two years afterwards i believe yes, let, me, let me look at the details um so yeah, ninety six was Daggerfall. Ninety seven. It was uh, so September November. So it was only one year. Enough. Okay, it was like a year and so, a month later. Yes, um, I believe the title is called an Elder Scrolls Legend yes. Battlespire. Yes. Okay, so Battlespire is not an open world game, as I just made reference to. Um, very pixelated as well. Uh, sprite graphics. It is a dungeon crawler, and it is a very large departure from anything else I've seen in the series. So when you start with Battlespire, you are crushed by word walls and <laughs> explanations and just a deluge of information that on stream, I'm sure I looked like a deer in headlights because I was trying to click through screens and I was it. I felt like I was studying for an exam. Mm. There are so many systems in place, which is something it shares in common with uh, Daggerfall is all the systems are there, but it is a, how can I put this? Other than just saying it is a dungeon crawler, it is divided into levels. I have found out how many, there are seven levels in the Battle Spire, and they are these weaving interconnected nightmare maps. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. Where you basically need to solve a myriad of things, find keys, and progress to the next level, and you get up through the Battle Spire to fight Mehrunes Dagon because he is blowing up the Battle Spire and murdering everybody. Mm -hmm. And it has a um, level system very unlike the other thing. And also some of the definitions to things are also very different. Um, they shift in and out of using magic and magicka. Um, you will see a lot of, you know, creatures that you're used to from the series, but um, the your health bar is blue and your Magicka bar is yellow in that game, which is very confusing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they had not determined a set that they really wanted to stick with yet. Stamina wasn't even a thing whatsoever. Um, instead of I, I was told the reasoning for this, which I thought was very cool because I was 
incredibly confused originally you don't have hit points in this game you have wounds which was very very confusing um because i was thinking originally when i was adding wounds that i was giving myself a disadvantage so that i could get points elsewhere but then i realized the points weren't adding up so you have a pool of points you're given at the start and you can choose disabilities or advantages um and you basically mush your character around like that there are pre-made classes you can still make your own class just like in the other games but wounds relate to how many wounds can you take before you die Mm -hmm. which when it was phrased like that i was like oh okay that makes sense that's terrible not knowing that because (laughs) i was just like what um however there are a lot of role-playing attributes that you can use in the in my playthrough i am incapable of using medium armor or weapons (laughs) (laughs) no no weapons you're all magic i am magic and fist fighting um that's all i can do all right um all right you you level up your skills by using them yet again and i was like okay i know this system Mm -hmm. but you don't gain experience points that way. You only gain experience points by completing a floor of the battle spire. Ah. Then you're allocated a certain amount of points that you can spend, and you can either level up skills, which I've learned very quickly makes zero sense, because your skills can level up based on using them, so I don't really even understand why it's an option. Huh. But your skills are capped by your governing attribute which would be like my fist fighting, I can only level up so high as my strength exists. So I Mm. can't be a 69 in fist fighting if I'm only a 64 in strength. I cap at 64. Gotcha. So it becomes kind of an interweaving of, okay, what, what do I do to minimize the amount of abuse I need to take and maximize the amount of points that I can grow with. Um, Normally you learn skills and stuff like that Um, throughout the game. You have your set to start with and without extra influences, there are crystals on the ground and stuff like that, which could give you your health or magicka back. There's potions and stuff like that. Those all help. There are no merchants. That's yeah, there's not a no thing in money. Fire. It's not a money thing. Right. It's, I'm sure the uh, there really isn't a quest. I mean, it's not an open world game where you take a quest there's, and decide where to go. Is right. There, you just kind of progress forward. There's not like you progress quest covers. forward. And the game is uh, got a very unique bit of uh, voiceover, I guess, would be the best way to try to explain what's in this game. Um, you can, if you, the higher speech, the better you are at it, you can talk to pretty much, well, literally anything in the game, <laughs> which is weird. Uh-huh. Um, like so, scamps? like Scamps. Yeah. Um, yep. Um, and this is where I will say, I will edit... <laughs> Unlike my stream, which is always a surprise Uh when we run into some of the things we do, um, there is it's not even so much innuendo in this game. They just hit on you, make overt sexual references. Um, Uh People just don't wear clothes. Um, 
that it's just very, very weird. <laughs> and there's a lot of attention to it. And earlier we found some pretty creepy aspects to it where I'm like, <laughs> ah, this is gross. Like what is happening? <laughs> oh man. So yeah. So um now I don't know whether it was just not accepted well or what, but yeah, it's definitely, I would say the strangest so far by a mile. Yeah. Um, yeah. In doing research for this episode, there's, there's a blog post on fiercepc.co.uk that lays out all the different games and, you know, gives an opinion on them. Um, mm -hmm. It talks about Battlespire here. And I, I want to quote this part. It says Battlespire doesn't, doesn't have an open world. Instead, it has a closed level and the merchants and currency are obliterated from the game mechanics. The new release also introduces a multiplayer mode to the players. Unfortunately, despite a spirited attempt to create curiosity and keep gamers engaged, Battlespire remains the least impressive addition to the franchise. <laughs> so they, they have a very low opinion of this game. So that's the other thing. This game has a kind of cult following, um, it seems like, and people have fun with it. And it actually does, as we made reference to earlier, it seems like it has some pretty strong tie-ins with potential to the current ESO season uh, where Mayor Runes Dagon is running amok. But the coins, uh, I don't think I have mine handy. Ah, yes. So the little promo coins that we were sent out and stuff like that seem like they could potentially reference some of the clans and you encounter all of these clans in the battle spire because it's Mayrun's Dagon attacking the battle spire mm -hmm. so again the it does seem to have tie-ins to other parts of lore but the game itself is very very different um again Another similar issue to what was oddly a problem that seemed like procedural generation might have caused. This game is riddled with glitches. Now, maybe it's just because it's old, but uh, from reports I've seen of other people reviewing it, the game has a lot of technical problems. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. encountered a lot. Um, I like to abuse some of them to pass things sometimes. <laughs> of course. Right. Um, yeah. Creatures are very prone to injuring themselves, which is very handy because if you can cluster them together, they just blow themselves up. Um, it is an interesting experience, but it is definitely very different than the other games I've played so far. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting take on that. Um, it might be one that I'll dig into in the future. I, yeah, at some point, I want to at least poke around in these longer than just, you know, die at the beginning and then start over. Well, it also... To that reference point, I mean, it has a multiplayer. Um, it's the first of them to have a multiplayer. When I it's beat the, it... It's outside of other odd releases. I mean, Elder Scrolls so, Online is really the only one with multiplayer. And <laughs> there is... Uh, so there's also Elder Scrolls Legends, if you want to consider that, which is just the phone card game. Right. Um, or right. Blades. We're not going to really get too into those because we'll just be here tackling one thing after another. Yeah. Well, five episodes long. Well, here's but. here's what I was thinking is is we've I mean we've we're most of the way through the episode already and we've yep. got arena to cover still. Why don't we take a break? We'll do arena and then we can come back and talk an entire other episode about about the other variations of the games, other other sure. weird games, the card game, how those games uh affect the lore. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in Legends that even affects the lore yeah. that you can draw stuff from. Um and I have to wonder if Blades is going to do the same thing. But 
Um, that, that could be a fun conversation for next week. So why don't Absolutely. we do that? Why don't we go to the middle of the show? We'll, we'll talk to, we'll thank our patrons and we'll be back to talk about arena. These days work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. The skies are marked with numberless sparks, each a fire, and every one a sign. So thank you to all of our patrons. You guys help make sure that we can do this show every week. And you are you're the foundation of my ability to make this a full-time thing. So thank you very, 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 very much to each of you. And especially thank you to Noodle Al Dente, our Tier 5 patron. Um, tier 5 patrons get called out every week. If you want to be called out on the show or show up on a future episode or get ad-free episodes of the show or, or all sorts of different things, go check out patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. And even for just a dollar a month, you can help support the show, uh, support me and my ability to do this and also get things like ad-free episodes and early episodes. So go check it out. There's lots of, lots of cool rewards there for you. And thank you again to all of our patrons. Ahoy there, ye landlubbers. Avast, my name is Captain Logan, and I'll be your guide out on the Sea of Thieves. If you love the idea of stealing treasure, cutting down cursed skeletons, fighting off krakens, and raiding forts filled to the brim with shinies, then Sea of Thieves is the game for you. Join me each week as I dive into the news and bring back the nuggets of information that any sailor worth their weight in salt would desire. You don't have to be a pirate legend to gain access to my podcast. Just search for Keelhauled, a Sea of Thieves podcast in your podcast app of choice or head over to robotsradio.net or captainlogan.podbeam.com and get ready to set sail for adventure. Yes, yes, you're entirely brilliant. Conquering madness and all that. Blah, 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 blah. All right, so we're going, we've made it all the way back to the Elder Scrolls Arena, which is the very first game. This is March 25th, 1994. Yes. Where were you in March of 1994? Grade school. Yeah, I was in, I was 15 years old. I was in, what, what is that, ninth grade? I was 10. 10th grade? <laughs> Um, 10 years old <laughs> what was i playing in 94 in 94 i was playing doom i was playing doom i was playing civilization or civil civ 2 maybe um i was playing my super nintendo i was not playing elder scrolls arena i hadn't picked it up but i was into other rpg games i just i just didn't know about elder scrolls yet so Actually, one quick side thing I'm going to mention, just because I don't want people to have a fit yelling at their uh, <laughs> at their uh, podcasters or YouTube or whatever. Just so you don't think we forgot, 
shadow key for the engage yes it also has a multiplayer just, okay just to get that just because i know somebody's going to mention it engage all 10 <laughs> yeah. people who owned an engage could play that game together yeah correct it, yes. it had a co-op yes that did exist we're we'll deal with that later but <laughs> now that that's covered um <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that it's you know you were playing doom because the art style of arena is very doom like mm -hmm. it's big pixels um up in your it, honestly it kind of looks like what doom would be i don't know if you ever played a uh, hexen as well oh yeah oh yeah yeah okay yeah totally or heretic oh yeah totally it, yes. it made me think very much of that because it's like that had the more medieval vibe and mm -hmm. you had the melee weapons and mm -hmm. it was that was very much it was the, the 90s it was like it was. the 90s were all about like grisly imagery in in games uh, other yes. than the mario like the not the mario side of it by the mid 90s it, right uh the whole sega thing had taken on and video games yes. had grown up for teenagers and they weren't just for kids they were for teenagers and in order to make it things for teenagers you had to you had to have skeletons and you had to kill satan and you had to you know and and this was this is like post Nirvana grunge. This is by, mm -hmm. by the mid nineties, you were at these bands like Nine Inch Nails and like music was getting darker and you know, gangster rap and, and there were like everything was a little bit more serious and dark. And that's that's the world these games were were in, and that's the teenagers that these games were trying to appeal to. We need a Doom lore cast this C Chaser. And I, yeah, I was... <laughs> that would last all of like 10 episodes and then we'd have to find yeah, something else to talk about. Just cover the whole thing. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> Sega's blast processing. Yeah. It's also super, super advanced. Yeah, but like, you know, like this idea of like blood and guts and gore in games was, that was yes. all the rage. Mortal Kombat and Doom and, and these guys. So it totally makes sense that they were going this direction. I was playing a series called Might and Magic, if any of you guys are familiar with that. I've heard of it. Um, don't know about it but i've heard of it yeah those are the games like arena that i was playing because that's what my friends played and so they would get a copy of the game and be like oh that's cool and then i would get a copy of the game and i'd play it um had they been playing elder scrolls arena that's probably the one i would would have been playing yes and arena i mean so we're gonna do more apologies to those of you who just listen to the audio version i am one of those who does the audio versions <laughs> but bonus for those of you who happen to just be able to see the video because we have props uh, speaking of the grungy gritty bits so here is the arena box which has your gritty I go a little higher. There we go. Yeah. Oh, there you uh, go. There you go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So we've everybody got, is you know. very, very covered in armor and weapons, except for the scantily clad woman in the bikini. In the front. In the front. In the bikini, <laughs> wielding a sword. Because right. Because because nineties. Yes. Um, yeah. So that is the uh, cover that most people know. Uh, that that's the original box art. Um, this is also incredibly weird and this is about as esoteric as it gets from a collecting standpoint but there was actually a second cover to the game there's there's Ooh. two different color patterns to that box i've got that one which is the original um this is the french version of arena um uh -huh. which <laughs> was published by ubisoft uh wow and times have changed not all super sexy. It is some strung out dude, probably on Skuma, beating up a little 
orc trolley troll dwarf man dwarf. i don't know what yeah, that is know. yeah but yeah so that vert or this version was only in france i'm not really sure why they had different cover art i mean i assume it has something to do with the fact that it was published by ubisoft as opposed to bethesda um yeah. they're small little but just a, a neat little tidbit that there are technically three depending upon like the deluxe edition of uh the game but mm -hmm. basically mm -hmm. there are two wholly unique book or or covers to them so yeah so um, here's here's another fun little edition uh as of january 29th 2020 there was an article on pc gamer that i'm going to share i'm pasting it into chat right now where um this could have been a potential other cover uh somebody put garfield into the elder scrolls arena <laughs> as recently as just two months ago Perfect. and now the character creator has uh, basically garfield's head on top of the characters which <laughs> is a wonderful abomination amazing amazing i think if ever i play through this game i'm gonna have to use this mod um anyway <laughs> love and hate it <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah yes but so uh, what could be more 90s than putting garfield so into the you know details of arena itself arena um has a rather generic storyline but it does give us the storyline to what eventually becomes like the basis for a lot with uriel septum it is a little weird because as we <laughs> discussed in the arena episode specifically that um they actually typo and put the wrong uh lineage number next to him there's a <laughs> typo in the in, in the opening it, sequence yes on they two different pages they, uriel they... the fourth um which is a little <laughs> weird i've never figured out if there was something more that i'm missing or if that's just it seems like it's just straight up a typo because this, it's uriel seventh this we uh, noticed when you were streaming it you were streaming yes. it and i jumped in your stream and you started yeah. it up and we're like watching the intro right isn't this when we noticed yes and i was like Wait a minute! Didn't they just say Uriel the Fourth? These right. are different and like, rulers, and you're like, well, yeah, no, like, maybe. And then we went no, to the next it, one. We're like, wait, no, it's, they're talking no, about the same person. Seven. Like, seven, but this yo. one says four. There's a typo right in the intro. Yes. Um. So again, storyline was still being ironed out, and it was a small team with a very small budget. It seemed like, but um, an ambitious game, and in this game you are governed by leveling up just to experience points. Um, you kill the thing, it gives you a set amount of experience points, you put your points into your governing attributes, the end. Um, mm -hmm. That is all there is to it. And it is, from what I understand, a form of D&D &D system, which I don't play D&D, &D, so I was struggling a bit to learn it. I know some stuff. Well, but, even, um, even you go back to 94, that would have been... Well, like yeah second edition right something I was like gonna that say, i don't remember um the other thing that i did not understand to start with and chat lovingly helped me out with when we were struggling through was that you have an armor class rating in this game and the lower your armor class the better protection you would get which I did not understand what I was doing at the start. I was like, why Why are my numbers going down if I'm getting more durable? I don't understand. Um, huh. So, yes. So you wanted low numbers on your defense and high numbers on your attack in order to actually 
do things properly um <laughs> do which, anything <laughs> yeah which was an adjustment also the game is notoriously difficult um the the running joke is that most people who work at bethesda have been unable to make it out of the first dungeon um it's it's interesting um it's very difficult and pretty punishing as the main thing about this game is you you have a lot of features that you're used to in elder scrolls games you can rest and stuff and things can interrupt your rest and man do they interrupt your rest the enemy spawn rate in this game is outrageous um so you're just constantly under siege the landmass is enormous um, and from what I understand, the wilderness is procedurally generated, but the towns and their placement are not. Yeah, that, so, I, that's what I understood, too. Yes. So, so just right. roaming around, you could bump into a random cave or whatever, and that'll just be whatever. But when you go to the Crystal Tower or Mirkwood or the Crypt of Hearts, whatever, Fang Lair these are all designed to just they they were handcrafted um and there's no time limits in this game which was a thing we had just mentioned in daggerfall this is a very straightforward crpg you are in first person which is a little unique and you have different skills but it's kind of just you're in steel mode or not steel mode mm -hmm. that's it you're using this weapon. You're using this one-handed weapon. You're using this weapon. It doesn't even matter if it's one-handed or not. You're using this weapon. You're using magic. Like it's much more condensed, and it was fleshed out, and then kind of. It's almost like a, you know. It's been like a bell curve as to there's stuff here. It gets really complicated, and then they kind of streamline it again for ease of use later in the series a little bit. So yeah. Uh, it's it's why sometimes the dumbing down of the series I have a bit of an issue with because I'm like, well, no, they just change stuff like and they're all very different. So, right. So I'm on the screen right now. I'm, I've pulled up uh, the map from Arena and you guys will find this very familiar. It is the entire continent of Tamriel. And with with all the names that you you're familiar with, High Rock, Hammerfell, Skyrim, Morrowind, Cyrodiil, Val Valenwood, Somerset Isle elsewhere black marsh and yes. towns and things like that and and what's what's amazing about this to me is that the, there are changes they've changed this a bit but they have but for the most part that stuff is is there yes. um even places like here check this out even places like labyrinthian which yes shows up in skyrim like they it they, is a main quest location to find one of the uh, eight pieces of the Staff of Chaos. As a matter of fact, you have to specifically go to Labyrinthian. Mm -hmm. And then you've got so, Dagoth-Ur, you've got um, Mornhold, you have uh, a lot of these names of places are are the same. Uh, yes. Alinor over in Somerset, uh, Daggerfall is there, Sentinel, Wayrest, Solitude, um, Dawnstar, yes. like all it's of these names are are there. The bones of the series were constructed with Arena, and they never really threw out the bones that were there. 
the earth bones, if you will. The earth bones. Um, <laughs> we now know what the earth bones actually are. It's right. It was arena. <laughs> it was arena. It was the developers who did arena. They were sacrificed um, on on the fire yes, exactly. of arena, and they now. <laughs> and as you know, uh, as, as a result, um, it's kind of interesting that like it. <sighs> The basis was there and they've built on that. And yes, a lot has changed over time, but you can always look back to things. There are just like I've made reference to the Crypt of Hearts, Fang Lair, Halls of Colossus was the concept that they used as the location for um, the Elsewhere season. Um, obviously, Somerset was the Somerset expansion, even though it's spelt weird in... Mm -hmm. Uh, arena because it's sumer set which is strange uh, <laughs> but um yeah there, there's all the parts were there it's just you could tell that the, it almost like arena was a draft board this is what we want here's our starting point and over games and time it's filled itself in and ironed out some of the rough edges <laughs> right right yeah, and but it's it's really neat. Um, like some of the names are clearly from other things. Using the word like Colossus in a name or Merkwood. Um, Merkwood, I actually was. Uh, I joked <laughs> on stream. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's copyright infringement, and it's because it's uh, apparently M I R K in the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's yeah, M U R K. M -U -R -K. They're like, this is such like, a good name. We're going to use it. But the, <laughs> but you know, other names are are. You know, like they, they they hold, I don't know, hold waters. I don't know what the right phrase is. But, you know, sure. things like Dagoth-Ur is a very unique sounding name for something. Right. Um, Which you know, White Run, Solitude, Dawnstar. Yeah. Like that, these are cool sounding names. Yep. Uh, um, Daggerfall. Like that's a cool name. Like, the, yes. they, you know, Sentinel. That's a cool name for a city. Um, it, but and some of them sound like real world kinds of names that you would find in, say, European towns. Things like First Hold or uh you know cloud rest you know right. the, these kinds of names sound very uh anglo-saxon in ways but then you have other other names that you know rimen what is what is a rimen what you is know? a rimen yeah right um and actually red mountain itself i mean there was always uh the thing i was originally confused i was like i'm not sure i remember this but then it, so there is a place on red mountain dagathur in arena they seem to just refer to Red Mountain as Dagathur, and then it's almost like it condensed down, and then obviously we get Dagathur the person as well later on right. in the stories and stuff like that. But it's just it's interesting because a lot of times you'll see bits and pieces, and they'll sometimes take on a different direction. You never the world of Tamriel <laughs> is never referred to as the arena. <laughs> ever again ever again arena and in arena they're like oh the everything's so harsh and brutal it's it was it's got the nickname the arena yeah that concept was just straight up dropped like right, that is right. not a thing and it was based on the fact that originally the game was like an arena fighter that they totally ditched that concept and that's the history of arena not so much yeah. what we're talking about which but, might actually yeah. explain why the the enemy density is so high it's sure yeah, just a shift in direction, but with, you know, remnants of a previous game still there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's, it's interesting, but it, it is, I find this stuff fascinating because for a series that we love so much and that we all came into at different times, 
uh, and has developed and is so interesting in its own right to see the evolution of it and to see what it is now compared to what it was. But, but the, some of the things change, some of the things don't. Um, it's it's like watching a writer's uh, revisions happen in real time, in a way. Like if you yeah. were if you go back, and this is something that I did in college. I I went I had all of Christopher Tolkien's books about how his father J.R.R. Tolkien wrote <laughs> about the the world of Middle Earth. And this is this was this is well beyond the Silmarillion and the Lord of the Rings. These were the books that pulled out his notes from different time periods of his of his life. And we talk about like, oh, back in 1925 when he first came up with the concept of these uh god spirits these were their names but then two years later he changed it to this for these reasons and like all of this stuff and i haven't retained a whole lot of of the details but what was amazing in looking back at that is that you end up with something very similar to this this concept of like okay we have this idea for a game there's a map these are the kinds of places this is the the kind of the spirit of the game is that the world is kind of like this there's these kinds of dangerous creatures. There's these kinds of heroes and these kinds of events happened. And then you flush it out and you basically take a, a second stab at it. And you're like, okay, here's Daggerfall. This is a very specific mm -hmm. location, but it's still huge, huge map. You got these kinds of places. We're going to reuse some of the names and the locations, but now we're going to flesh it out a little bit more. And these monsters, there's more detail here. They're actually connected to something even more powerful and dangerous. And those are Daedra. And they're kind of like devils or demons, but they're not. They're different. They're from another plane. And then you, you get into something like Battle Spire, and you're like, well, what if we go to that other plane and one of the Daedric Lords attacks it? And then you have to, mm -hmm. okay, we'll do that. Okay, well, what about this other place on the map called Morrowind where all the Dark Elves live? Well, let's do a let's do a game about that. Now we've got to flesh out this lore that's now connecting into the actual metaphysics of the world and how the whole world is held together in this sense of how it works. And, you know, <laughs> it, it just grows and grows and grows. But yep. It, it's like go, it's like going through somebody's journals about like, OK, this is going to be my first draft of this. But now I'm missing these details. Let's add these details in. Let's add these details in. And then by the time you get to something like Morrowind or Oblivion or Skyrim, you have a much more fleshed out world. And now you just have to tell the stories in it. The background's all there. The other thing that's interesting is also the fact that um, it's not the same people who started that are necessarily still there or right. even from game to game, there are definitely people, uh, you know, that remain, but the writers change. So the direction of the story could change the direction of the, you know, world design. Change. This isn't one person's thoughts like J.R.R. Tolkien with perfect example mm -hmm. with Lord of the Rings. It was like, that was his story. Same George R.R. Martin, even though he'll never finish anything. Um, <laughs> right. He has his story. This is a conglomeration of many people kind of hive minding together to make a full world that people can play around in mm -hmm. and it's interactable so on top of that, it's not even a set path story. These games are about choice and doing what you want. So they just need to give you a structure to let you play around in and they craft a story around as the players play. Yeah, yeah. And now we have this whole background and this whole understanding of the way the universe works, or at least what we think is the way the universe works. Right. But of course, nothing is canon unless it's in a game. 
and it explicitly shows up in a game so everything's potentially going to change um so anyway it it turns into this wonderful thing that we have um lotus this has been great i I would love to get into some of these other ones the 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 weird offshoots are probably the ones other than something like legends or blades that i have the least amount of experience with like i didn't didn't have an engage right (laughs) so i I never played yeah i I never played a red guard or you know any of the other weird ones yeah well well i yeah i guess um i guess next time we'll go with uh, since Battle Spire was kind of almost like a de facto expansion, so we kind of covered that one. Yeah. The weirdest spinoffs next time, I guess we will cover Shadow Key, uh-huh. um, Elder Scrolls Adventures, Red Guard, uh, Blades, Legends, and Elder Scrolls Travels. All there, so there were actually several Elder Scrolls Travels games. Yeah. Shadow Key being the most well known which is sad because that game is not well known. Um, I will also make reference to uh, Dawnstar and Stormhold, which are, I believe, JavaScript flip phone games. That's amazing. That's amazing. Which I have the emulators on and will play through those as well. That's great. Yep. So there's, those are our, those are our other spinoffs that will, those are real spinoffy. And um, Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Well, we'll be back next week. Same time, same place. Um, right after this show, we have the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. So if you're interested in Dungeons and Dragons, we're talking more about the dungeons or actually the dragons. We're talking more about the dragons part of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, specific types of dragons and those kinds of things lately. And um, that'll be coming up at 1030. So 20 minutes from now. So I'll keep the stream on. I'll put it on uh, away for a few minutes after I leave and then I'll be back for the for the Dungeons and Dragons show. Um, before I head out though, Lotus, you have anything going on that you want to talk about? Anything you want to share? Um, not specifically. Um, if all goes well, we'll be recording another episode of Tales of Tamriel this Saturday. Um, Sunday, I will most likely, if I can manage to piece it together, do another stream in preparation for, we have the big Elder Scrolls Online dungeon slash overhaul of the champion point system coming this week to console it's already there on pc i hope you're enjoying it i've heard good things yeah yeah i started a little bit on pc yeah i started respecting my character a little bit Um, yeah and i i kind of did just to get an understanding of it um but next tuesday um i will be once i'm back from work uh because you know day jobs and such i will be streaming the new dungeons live on vet uh, on my own channel, uh, Lotus of Doom on Twitch. So if you want to swing by and watch us get smashed around while we try to figure out what the hell we're doing, you're more than welcome. Uh, it's always fun to go through the new dungeons once they launch. And with the overhaul, I won't be as comfortable with my character, so I'll probably not be as good with it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right. Good times. <laughs> but, uh, yep. Fun times. Fun times. Yeah. And uh, in similar similar notes, we have a regular lorecasters pc uh events now on friday yes. nights so we we did our first one last friday we ran around killed some world bosses um joked around with each other had a had a really nice time these happen friday nights at 10 p.m eastern 7 p.m pacific so most most people for most people this is after work you're welcome to come join me i will be streaming it so if you can't make it in game you can always come hang out with us in the stream we all meet up on the discord uh, robots radio discord we all get in voice chat we all run around in the game together and come up with wacky things to do so sometimes it's going to be like you know killing world bosses and other times it's going to be like pvp stuff or fishing or 
wacky stuff like playing darts by throwing ourselves off a mountain. Who knows? We'll do all sorts of crazy fun things. Come join us for that tomorrow night. Um, but that's what I've got going on. Thanks for joining me, Lotus. Super fun Absolutely. times. Absolutely. My pleasure. And chat, thank you for being here. We will see you guys next week. And if you want to stay for Dungeons and Dragons, stay for that. We'll be back. I'll be back in like 15 minutes or so. See you guys in a little bit. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please reach out to us at elderscrollslorecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at ESO Lorecast. I really appreciate you listening, and I'd love to hear from you soon. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. My name is Brian Burton. It's been 26 years since the bombs fell. And since I've left the vault, I've been trying to rebuild. This isn't the Appalachia that I remember. There's so much more to everything going on. And I promise to find the answer. So if you're out there, if you're listening, just hone in on these coordinates. Remember, there's a place for you at the end. Omega. The Omega Broadcast Fallout Story is available on iTunes, Spotify, and many great podcasting sources. Hey friends, this is Robots, the creator of the Robots Radio Podcast Network and host of the two original shows on the network, the Fallout Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. These two shows have rocketed up the iTunes charts. They both together have over 155 star reviews in only a couple months with bite-sized episodes that take you step-by-step through the background of the games and the game worlds. They're thought-provoking, well-produced, and a lot of fun. I recommend you go check them out at robotsradio.net or on any podcast reader podcatcher whatever you use itunes spotify again that's the fallout lorecast and the elder scrolls lorecast available everywhere hello gentle listener every friday be sure to tune in what the hell are you doing ampersand (laughs) hi charlie i'm sorry i broke in i thought i was the only one to talk to myself well i'm letting everyone know about the fumbling four and the almighty crit it's a 5e live play podcast join us every week where do we find it you old crusty coot uh, anywhere you can get all your podcasts. Woo-hoo! You find it every Friday, you stupid cat. <laughs> <laughs>